Welcome to our Saturday simulcast with Mike Carmen and talking pretty basketball. Thank you to the Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar and 811 Bistro for their support of Golden Black. Mike, you know, you've been around a lot of Purdue, Indiana games, men's and women's basketball, football. Uh, they all seem to get to a crescendo or a boiling point or whatever. But this one, uh, maybe more from the IU perspective, I don't know. But it seems like this one's about as big as it gets, at least from an interest standpoint, as uh, the number one Boilermakers head to Assembly Hall to, uh, today, later today, I should say, at 4 o'clock. Yeah, it, it does have the feel of a, um, a a bigger game than what we would normally see because you know, Purdue being number one uh, in the country, IU had been playing really well uh, up until uh, the loss to Maryland. Uh, and, and, and as I've said before, I always thought that IU was the only team that could catch Purdue uh, in the yeah. Big Ten race because they played them twice and they had a chance to pick up a couple games. But uh, I think Purdue can put that away on on, on uh, Saturday. Uh, I think they can in all intents purposes, wrap up the Big Ten on Saturday if they win. But there is a there is an extra buzz about it. Uh, I think it has to do with Purdue being number one. And, you know, IU, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is playing really well. Uh, Zach Eady is playing well. I mean, that's probably the most fascinating matchup in the country uh, yeah. on Saturday. And whether how much they guard each other remains to be seen because there'll be double teams on both sides and, you know, how, how that all works out. But uh, to me, that's the most – uh, interesting individual matchup that will happen in college basketball uh, coming up uh, coming up on Saturday. So yeah, it's it, it'll be it'll be uh, the atmosphere will probably be different than it has been a little bit. And you know, last year's atmosphere was great down there, and the same in Mackey Arena. Uh, I guess the only difference is that you know IU doesn't have Robert Fennessy to yeah to <laughs> maybe Purdue. good for Purdue <laughs> haunt Purdue this time. But it, it'll be it'll be another. You know, it should be another great matchup, and um, it has all the makings of a of, of one of the better ones in the rivalry. Yeah, you know, you 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 look back, and it's kind of a strange thing because it's certainly I agree that the, the number one ranking means a big deal, and it's kind of Indiana uh, would like nothing, nothing better in a game that is all about bragging rights. Uh, uh, would like nothing better than to knock Purdue from its perch. Whether it would actually do that, uh, we'll see, but. Uh, uh, it is uh, certainly that. And Indiana, I think, is safely in the NCAA tournament, it seems at this point, barring a complete meltdown. But it could certainly help its uh, NCAA resume. You know, they're talking maybe about five or six seed line for the Hoosiers. Uh, you know, they could start to really, really ramp up there, get back in the rankings the national rankings, but also potentially uh, move that up. I mean, there, there's a lot to play for, a lot of intrigue from that standpoint. I, I think you're absolutely right. Trace Jackson Davis has been so good inside. You're right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Do you see maybe Caleb first chasing him around for a while? I mean, how do you see Matt Painter and company trying to defend the Hoosiers? I don't, I don't think he'll deviate from what he's done. He'll double him. And yeah. whether Zach is the primary defender or Caleb – or Mason Gillis, uh, they're the, if they're the primary defender, I mean, they're gonna, he's going to double them. I mean, that has worked. I think he played only 11 minutes last year in the game in Bloomington because he picked up two early fouls. Right. Um, so I, Painter's not going to change. And, you know, and, and Matt has said publicly that he's surprised more people don't double him. Uh, now, will they double him every time? It depends where he gets the ball and 
who's available to double. You know, the question for me is who who you who are you leaving open on the perimeter? Is it going to be Trey Galloway? Uh, is it going to be the freshman point guard who runs hot and cold, which we've seen over the last two weeks or so? You know, who who's going to have the opportunity to to hit uh, <clears throat> perimeter shots for for Indiana? So, and that that'll probably change throughout the game. They'll pick and choose and, and make adjustments that way. But you know, Matt Matt's Matt's been pretty open about how they're going to play. Um, play how how they played Trace Jackson Davis, and I don't I don't think it will change. There'll be subtle adjustments here and there, but um, the basic premise is that they're going to double him, get the ball out of his hands, and force other people to beat him. Familiarity breeds contempt, and both <laughs> these programs are well know what the heck they they're going to see on Saturday. There won't be any surprises. I I'm with you on that. Jalen Hood Shafino has really been hot and cold like you say he is an nba-esque guard i get that at 6'6 you know whether braden smith uh, checks him directly how or is it ethan morton he is a guy that uh, also it seems to me uh and it's no, no great analysis here but uh, really has a lot to do with if indiana's potential of being really really good if he's good how do you view him in that matchup? It's going to be fascinating. Again, I don't think you see Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer as to use a Gene Cady term puckering in Assembly Hall, but it is going to be a, a wild environment for them as well. Yeah, we've seen too much from the freshmen to, to even entertain the idea that they won't be ready or they won't hold up. Now, doesn't mean they won't commit turnovers. They're not going to hit every shot. They're not going to make every play, but... I don't think the environment's going to rattle them. You know, Purdue has been extremely successful on the road this year, not only on opponents' home floor, but in neutral court setting. So I think they're they're hardened enough for this. It'll yeah, it, it'll be a much different atmosphere than probably what they've faced in in other road games. But you know, the, the you were there at the cluster. I mean, that that place was pretty loud. Crazy. It was crazy. So um, you know, there's a even though this team has a, a lot of young pieces to it, there's a certain level of maturity to how they play. Um, and that has been pretty consistent uh, throughout the year. I, I, I don't think it'll change. I, I don't think that would be the reason Purdue would, would lose this game. It would lose because it's not hitting shots or they have defensive breakdowns or they're not as, not as effective on the boards as they have been. Um, that, that, that would be the reason to lose. I, I don't think it would have anything to do with any – any youth or, or anything like that. They have enough game experience now that they are, they're not freshmen. In my mind, they're juniors. They, yeah. they've, skipped, they've skipped their sophomore <laughs> season. Uh, they, they are juniors right now. Uh, that probably makes them eligible for the NBA if they want to go. But <laughs> I don't think Purdue fans uh, uh, want to do that. But I, I expect those guys – you know, Fletcher is um, – He's got a level of toughness about him, and so does Braden. But Fletcher certainly has a, a level of toughness about him that comes through just about every game. Nothing, nothing bothers those two, and I, I expect them to, to hold up very well. You know, I, I agree, and I think it's going to be almost a case of they. I think they relish that. I think they may play better. I mean, they played it arguably in some ways better on the road and that's not completely true but but uh, you could build a case that they, that they played pretty well on the road and yeah that's what makes it so interesting um free throw shooting i know that that's a you know a purdue fans uh, uh, has to find something to, to be upset about or be concerned about or worried about to look over your shoulder and what's what could what could unravel this team in a close game 
I mean, not that it was all, it hasn't been all that bad. I mean, Edie's missed a couple. I know Ethan Morton struggled just a shade. Mason Gillis missed his chance to score 30 uh, by missing a free throw. Am I being picky there, or is it is this just a a natural course of where you where you shoot, or do you have any concern with producibility at the free throw line? Well, they bounced back after going twelve and twenty two, uh, which was a season low yeah. uh, against Michigan State. They went ten of fourteen, and Ethan was one of six, and that bothered him. But it, it's only a concern when it becomes a concern. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think going into the game that's that would be high on the concern list for Purdue. They're going to get to the free throw line. I. Uh, Indiana has allowed the most free throw attempts during the Big Ten season of any Big Ten team. Their, their opponents are getting to the line almost 20 times a game. And anybody that's followed Purdue this year understands they get to the free throw line a lot. You know, they're probably averaging 17 or 18 attempts in Big Ten play. They've had games where they've only went four times and uh, they only went 14 times the other night. But, you know, whether Indiana's fouling a lot or however that's working out, they're they're allowing opponents to get to the line, and that kind of plays into Purdue's hands a little bit um, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, things like free throw shooting to me are only a problem when they become a problem. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you go into the game thinking, well, you know, Purdue, Purdue's going to struggle off the line. Yeah. Uh, I, I just you – know, until they do it, 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 I don't think it's a concern. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, and I think that uh, uh, the Purdue Purdue world is trying to find. I mean, it, it's almost like for Purdue fans, I think it's almost all of this is too good, too much, too too much, too good to be true. There just aren't any real flaws right now with this basketball team. I mean, every button that gets pushed seems to work. You know, you've got David Jenkins Jr. coming in and against Michigan State and and Michigan and doing good things. You've got uh uh you know just every button it seems to work. And then and that gives you if you're a Purdue fan, it has to give you some comfort in a hostile environment that you know something doesn't go right for uh for somebody early on. They just you know somebody else comes in and does the job. There's hungry people on the bench that want to play. Yeah and you know, I understand, you know, Purdue's fan base is no different than others. I mean, things are no. going so well that you just expect, okay, the world will end and everything will come <laughs> crashing down at one point. And I would just say Purdue may lose this game Saturday, but it really doesn't change a whole lot. Now, you, if they do lose, it's, it's more of how they lost. You know, yeah. were, did that, was it self-inflicted or did you just run into a hot team? Uh, hot shooting team there, you know, there's going to be a, a game left on this during the regular season where, uh, you know, Purdue faces that it's just, it just happens, you know, college basketball is too close together to, to think that Purdue's not going to get challenged and they're, they're not going to run into a hot team. You know, they got IU on the road, they got Maryland on the road, you know, you know, Northwestern's kind of come back down to earth, but you, you still got to go to Wisconsin. You've got, you know, there's there's a lot of tough games left where they're going to run into somebody that's going to push them to the to the limit and make the plays that Purdue has been making. But uh, I, I don't think a loss Saturday really changes a whole lot for Purdue. It doesn't change the fact that they're probably going to win the Big Ten. It won't change the fact that they're going to be a number one seed now where they end up on that line. And I, I don't think one loss uh, in early February would change a whole lot of that right now. But, you know, fans are fans and. If it's too good, then you have to worry about something. So just, but I would, I would just go back and say, hey, if your life's going well, then just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> and if something, if adversity strikes, then you'll deal with it. Yeah. You know, Houston last night struggled for a lot of that game against Wichita State. I mean, it's just, and, and yet 
pulled it out. Uh, you know, if you're looking at right. Alabama and Houston right now, is maybe the two teams that are looking are maybe the biggest challenges to Purdue at the top. I'm, I'm not talking about the for the Final Four just yet. I'm just saying uh, it's just it's everywhere. I mean, it's just you're going to lose games, and I, we keep saying that, and Purdue keeps winning them. Uh, but uh, I, I think that is a true statement, and especially against uh, uh, there's a lot of motivation in Bloomington. Obviously, there's a lot of motivation for Purdue as well, and I think that part is going to be going to be an interesting uh, interesting thing to watch. All right, any last question? Any any matchups or any folks that you really want to keep an eye on tomorrow or, to, or excuse me, later today? I should say when when uh, is it? Is it Race Thompson and Mason Gillis again? What is a matchup that you think uh, that we may not be thinking about that's going to be really interesting from your perspective? Well, beyond the obvious, Edie and Jackson Davis. Yeah. And, you know, as, as I mentioned, not how much they actually guard each other is, still remains to be seen. But, I, you know, you brought it up earlier. You know, who, who checks Hood Shafino? Yeah. Um, you know, Morton's in a – I told him, I said, are you in a defensive groove? <laughs> he really had not thought about that and really didn't understand what it meant because he's been he's been focused on his offense a little bit. But I'd like to see him uh, defend the point guard uh, because he has the size, uh, he has the athleticism to to keep up with him. He can challenge his shots. Uh, but the way Purdue plays defense and they switch so much, everybody's going to get a shot to do it. But uh, that would be to me a really good matchup to to watch and. You know, there are intriguing matchups across the board and um, with, as you mentioned, race and Mason and uh, race and Taylor first and yeah. so on and so forth. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Purdue Purdue's going to have probably a little bit more depth coming off the bench than Indiana in this in this case. Um, and the way this Purdue has played defense, it, it, it doesn't really you know, you just don't put one guy on one guy and keep him there. Um, and all those guys have bought in, you know, they're well connected. Uh, this is a much better defensive team than a year ago. Uh, it shows. Uh, I think a lot of it is they they care uh, and they and they understand what what's ahead of them. But uh, there'll be there'll be times where Braden Smith has caught on Hood Shafino and Fletcher's on him, and they're going to have you know he's going to have to recognize the mismatch opportunities. But at at the same time, Purdue is going to um, Purdue's going to have to recognize that as well. I think one area Purdue probably could exploit is Indiana's transition defense. Uh, they were not very good against Maryland. No. Uh, and if if they can, um, you know, the last year when Jay Navi got the ball, he became the point guard because he got so many defensive rebounds. And I think Braden Smith kind of fills that role as well. He rebounds so well that he can start that fast break without passing the ball. And I think if Purdue pushes the ball uh, because they've been so good on the defensive boards, uh, if they can push the ball, I think they can get some easy points and find, find those extra points that Painter talks about a lot of time outside of uh, the normal offense. Yeah, good point. And uh, I think that that is, I know Rob Hummel, listening to him talking or doing the analyzing of the Maryland-Indiana game, really talked time and again about the Hoosiers' challenge in transition defense uh, at times. And, of course, Maryland's pretty good in that environment as well, but uh, well put. All right, we appreciate your coverage. We look forward to all of it. After today's game, uh, as Purdue takes on Indiana, 4 o'clock, uh, and a game that will be on ESPN. 
and we'll look forward to all of that and more as uh, we get through there. You're going to be, you got, you got the fire in Indiana, and then you got Iowa coming home at the end of the week. Uh, it's uh, in the Big Ten. At least they're not like Northwestern, where the Boilermakers are playing like five games in 11 days. That's been a good thing for Purdue. Uh, the schedule is still relatively well spaced out. That, I think, is an advantage uh, for some teams, and uh, it's going to be maybe a little bit. Purdue should be relatively rested uh, even on on Saturday, Saturday today against uh, Bloomington, in Bloomington, but also by the time Iowa comes to town. Mike, thanks again. Uh, we will be back. We won't be back. We're going to transition, I should say, to uh, Tom Deanhart, talk a little bit about Purdue football and uh, a little bit about uh, Ryan Walters' recruiting class. It's a thing that Mike Carmen knows a little bit about as well. But uh, we'll hit that. And maybe even Ryan Walters' new contract, too. We'll hit that, too. So uh, thanks again, Mike. And we'll be back in a couple seconds as you'll hear from Tom Deanhart shortly. Tom, uh, Ryan Walters on Wednesday uh, met the media and talked about his recruiting class uh, in about a 20-minute press conference. I just I want to get your initial impressions. Just you know, We haven't had a chance to really be around him in a public setting yeah. since he was announced. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get, get what you thought uh, with respect to you know, how he handled himself in the press conference and also maybe a little bit about that recruiting class that uh that he brought in for 2023 yeah i thought he handled himself well alan you know like you said we haven't seen him much in a public setting uh after the press conference on what december 13th he he, he's good in front of an audience he always seems at ease alan um and just uh it's not like he's delivering a speech He's, he's got a casualness about him yeah. A, conversa- a conversational style. How about that? Yeah. Even when he's sitting on the dais or at a press conference. So again, I think he, he handles himself well. Uh, and, you know, as far as the recruiting class goes, I think Purdue did as well as you could, could expect given the circumstances, right? I mean, he comes in officially hired December 13th, already a bunch of players were committed that didn't commit to him, right? Sure. There was some attrition that was to be expected, but, uh, he ended up signing, I think, 12 guys in December, and uh, he wouldn't finish there, Alan. You know, even though there was a small window from that December signing period to February 1st, basically a month, right, still went out there and tried to find more 2023 guys while he was also recruiting for 2024. And you get the sense they seem pretty pleased with the guys they were able to, to get in the 2023 class, Alan. Four high school kids overall. Um, you know, some they, they wanted guys who were almost multiple position guys, and they got three in particular that fit that bill. The Ahmad Branch kid from Missouri, Derek Rogers from Florida, and Mondrell Dean from West Virginia are guys that kind of just athletes now. They're going to try to figure out which side of the ball they're going to play on in the future. And um, they signed the junior college offensive tackle. I think they're pleased with him, Alan. I think he's obviously going to slide right into the depth chart, maybe be the fourth tackle at this point. And I think of note, too, Alan, they they uh, they got George Byrne, right, the kid yeah. who committed to Jeff Brom way back in July, tight end from Mount Vernon, Indiana. He didn't sign in December, Alan. Yeah. He was going to wait and see what was going to happen. And, Purdue, and we, we Ryan Walters talked about this on Wednesday, he had to go back and resell this kid 
and he convinced them to re-up with Purdue, and he signed on Wednesday. So a big 6'5", about 215-pound tight end, is a great track athlete. So he's coming aboard as well. So those are sort of the prep guys they got. And obviously, don't forget about the transfer from Stanford, uh, Salim Turner Muhammad. Uh, kid who's got at least two years of eligibility, Alan. Smart kid. Big buddy of Sanusi Canes. They kind of yeah. grew up and trained together out in New York. And I suspect he's going to come in and probably start right away at cornerback. So I think they did a good job bringing in some of these guys late uh, to really augment the 12 that they signed uh, way back in December. You know, you have that opportunity and, and it is such a moving target. Not many guys that uh, not many Stanford transfers anywhere. And when you get a guy that uh, has been out there, uh, but, uh, and he also uh, talked about obviously Hudson card and, and the fact yeah. that that was important to set the tone, to get that quarterback. He called him the best quarterback in the, in the transfer portal, but that certainly got some people's attention that you were able to get him secured and, and had some effect with the rest of that class, but also for that 2024 group, just because it tells you, tells you, you mean business, so to speak. Yeah, they sort of took yesterday as a chance to, I guess, formally announce those four other transfers Yeah, that came aboard in, uh, I guess, January. Hudson Card came in December, but the other guys came in January. The two kids from Arkansas, the safety, Anthony Brown, the defensive end, Isaiah Nichols, and they got the interior offensive lineman from Bowling Green, Jalen Grant. So they kind of formally announced those guys yesterday, too. They said they had a 10-man class where five were transfers and five were high school kids. So, yeah, Hudson Card, you're right. Coach Walters talked about Hudson Card on Wednesday. His first real public comments on Hudson Card, as, as you noted. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, everything you hear about the kid, um, he's certainly talented. Um, he's going to be a dual threat guy. Uh, has some starting experience in Austin, Texas. Played on a big stage, obviously. He's not going to shy away from the spotlight. And a guy you got to think, Alan, they're going to try to build this offense around. So we'll get our first look at Hudson Card uh, this spring. And again, guys, to remember, I, spring practice, probably going to start the week of March 20th, the week after Purdue spring break is, is what it's looking like right now. So uh, a little later than usual. So not sure what type of access we're going to get or the public will get. Hopefully we'll get wide open access, but that's to be D, TBD. But anyway... Hudson Card, yes, uh, that was Ryan Walter's first order of business. I think the moment he got the job, one of the first things he did, Alan, I know one of the first things he did was get on a plane and go see Hudson Card. Yeah. Infrastructure, organization, all of those storylines, he's making – uh, kind of assembling his team, not just the assistant coaching staff, but everything else that's around the program, strength coach, uh, yeah medical staff, et cetera, things that he would like to, to control, so to speak. How do you, how do you assess that situation? Of course, new strength coach coming in as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, big part of what, uh, what uh, Ryan Walters wants to be a part of. Yeah. Kiro small. I spoke to him this week. We met over at the Kozich performance complex. He walked me around. I interviewed him. I'll have a story on him in a, in a week or so, but a great guy, Alan. Um, call him Coach Rowe, he said. I'm Coach Rowe. Yeah. He's about five foot eight, maybe. Yeah. Five foot nine. He, he's, a, he's a brutal fullback. 
at Arkansas, and he's got clips on YouTube. Somebody posted them on our message board if you want to see him in action. They threw him the ball. They show him blasting guys backwards and carrying the ball, kind of a bowling ball. And then he was drafted by the Seahawks. He played in the NFL for a little bit with the Cleveland Browns, with the Ravens. So anyway, just a great personality. I think a guy that the players are going to like to uh, to work with. I talked to Eric Miller today, to Allen, the offensive tackle for Purdue, to get his perspective on Coach Small, what it's been like working with him, et cetera, et cetera. So again, as you can imagine, um, they, they, they've all enjoyed it so far. They're working out about five days a week right now. And I know when I talked to Coach Walters in Florida <clears throat> during the bowl game, you know, he said he wanted a good eight weeks of strength and conditioning before they got to spring football. And that's sort of where the team's at right now is training, uh, getting their bodies in shape. And Allen, they're also starting to do some install too of the offense and defense, dribs and drabs here. So they'll be able to hit the ground running when, when spring ball does kick off here uh, in about a what month and a half or so. So there they got full wheels going right now, as you can imagine. The good news for Coach Walters and the staff is they're finally off the road, Alan. Anybody who's been following on social media knows they've been out and about across America offering 2024 recruits. Now we've entered a, what's called I think a quiet period right now. So everybody's off the road. The guys are back in the building. And now they can sort of get to know the personnel a little bit more. Coach Walters even talked about that now. Or now he's back more anchored in West Lafayette. Can connect even more with, uh, with his new players. Yeah, it's uh, certainly he was made that clear on Wednesday that he was looking forward to being a coach, being the, the coaching part of it, not just the the uh, uh, recruiting side of it. And I, it was very, very clear that he's looking forward to installing what he's about, working with his staff and trying to put together not only a, a program, but an identity. I think both offensive and defensive, all coaches want to do that uh, uh, from the get go. All right. One other thing that will be happening Friday probably around the time of this show is contractual stuff. We don't know all the things we'd understood. We'll see if our sources were correct that uh, Ryan Walters was going to be at about a $4 million a year contract with some escalators, whether you'll get all that information today as you head to the board of trustees meeting, but interesting from that standpoint in terms of uh, getting that done, getting that announced, it kind of lays the table, sets the table of uh, what's out there. It's not, you know, these guys are, uh, how much how much you get in terms of assistant coaches' salaries, I don't know, but it, it is an interesting part of this entire thing. We understand also that Ryan Walters put five, you know, put a lot of money in that assistant coach pool, almost five and a half, six million dollars. So again, all things it's going to take to be able to operate this program at the level that that uh, Purdue uh, hopes it will be to be competitive in the Big Ten. Yeah, you're right. Um, Board of Trustees meeting Friday morning. Uh, a lot on their agenda. Yeah. What interests us again is the compensation committee, Alan. Yeah. That's who's going to, I guess, rubber stamp this, this contract for Ryan Walters. And yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully expect, I guess, to, to get at least a look at that deal in some way, shape or form to get a general, some general parameters. Hopefully we can report something um, on, on what that deal looks like. And like you said, probably a $4 million range for yeah. Ryan Walters would seem like a, compensation for a first-time head coach salary pool will be interesting Alan again you're only as good as the people around you right yeah what difference does it make if you make a fortune and the people around you you know aren't, aren't compensated well and, and can't help you do your job I mean it's 
sometimes you're better off. You see these quarterbacks in the NFL take less money so the team can spend money on players to surround them with. Yeah. I'm a guy, Alan, that not to get off on a tangent, but I want good people around me. I'll take $2 million. Let's get a good staff. Let's get everything in place so we can all succeed. Doesn't do any good. I, I, $2 million is enough money, right? Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So we'll find out some, uh, some uh, compensation. The assistant coaches, Alan, I'm told right now are working with at will. They're at will employees. How has it been described to me? I don't think contracts have been signed yet for the, the assistant coaches. So we don't know what their salaries are at this point. So, yeah, that's out there, too. Uh, just kind of fun minutia and detail, I think. I always like to find out about and I'm sure a lot of the viewers enjoy that kind of stuff, too. It's the off season. It's the time to do that stuff. And, and you're right now, the Norman and assistant coach contracts anymore is at least a couple of years. Uh, it didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Uh, it tends to be that way now. And uh, that will be yeah, it. That, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, two year deals, Alan. And just keep this in mind, too. I think a, a lot of what's going on here to bring this program to a higher level from a structure standpoint is being driven by, by Tiffany Grimes. Yeah. Um, who's obviously been on the job about what, Alan, six months or so? Yeah, if that, yeah. Fort Wayne native, a Purdue graduate who really cut her teeth working at Alabama for the last six years before returning to her alma mater. And I think, you know, she came up here for a reason. And uh, I think we're seeing her fingerprints on a lot of what's going to be going on to make this a top-notch football program. No doubt. She was integrally involved in the hiring of Ryan Walters. And we talked about last week with the guest Mike Mike Berghoff talking about the three that were in the interview room with Mike Babinski, Tiffany Grimes, Mike Berghoff, when they interviewed Ryan Walters at the Mount Comfort Airport, uh, uh, when that uh, all went down back in December. So always good stuff, Tom. We appreciate everything. Lots of recruiting on the site as well. And it's never a dull moment, as they say in college football. And it will be that way even, even in February and March. Uh, obviously, let's talk about it. Real last, one last real quick note. I mean, this is going to be airing on Friday, but Thursday night we will have had Aiden O'Connell in the Shrine Bowl. Yeah. Saturday we got a couple guys in the Senior Bowl, Purdue does, Payne Durham and Corey Trice. And look forward in February, Alan, four Boilermakers are going to be in the NFL Combine. So a lot of Boilermakers looking to take that leap to the next level here. It's going to be kind of fun for fans to watch that as well the next next month or so. Yeah, guys that we've been watching for a long time in West Lafayette. <clears throat> It'll be really good to see how they fare. All right, we'll <clears throat> excuse me, take a short break. Be back with Chad Brown, who will talk about winning and wellness, something that uh, Tom and I probably could stand in, to know more about that. Uh, and really interesting because he's worked a lot with Matt Painter uh, about – behavior and trying to get to get to know your players uh, and your kids that you're in your program and how they mess with coaches etc be very interesting to hear what chad has to say so stay tuned we'll be back in two minutes on golden black live thanks so much tom and also want to thank mike carmen and all of you for watching and listening saturday simulcast i also want to thank all of you for all the well wishes for brian newbert uh, who had successful surgery last week and has a road ahead to be sure, but we appreciate all the love and support that uh, we've heard. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel too for uh, its sponsorship, the Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, 
Uh, we appreciate you. So have a great week, everybody. We'll be back next week. I think Tom Deanhart and Mike Carmen will host next week's Saturday simulcast, but it should be fun. So thanks again for watching, listening, and as Brian Newbert always says, how you process your information on Gold and Black. Thanks so much. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.